Hey everyone, welcome to season four of Team Techies. I'm Anushka. I'm Rashima. And I'm Prisha. So as summer comes to a close, we thought that we'd give everyone an overview of what we've been up to these past couple weeks. Um, and also from these passion, passion projects, sorry, um, we learned a lot of cool things and new exciting things relating to technology um, and engineering. Um, so without further ado, let's get into our first episode of season four. Hey everyone, so welcome back to Teen Techies. It's been a little while. We will get into that um, in, t- like in a few moments. But as of now, thank you for tuning in. So before we start, as always, how are you guys doing today? Um, I'm doing great because junior year is over. Um, you know, college apps, I feel like, are much more easier than junior year entails um, because you're just summarizing what happened and how your life is. But yeah, it's going good as of now. I, I, I'm glad to hear that for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think me and Anushka both feel the same way. Um, Life is kind of crashing and burning. It's not crashing and burning. Yeah, it's because you guys are taking like three, burning. four AP class. Three, four AP classes this year because. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to winter break, which is sad because it's, it's September. Why not Thanksgiving? Yeah, exactly. Thanksgiving is like a week I don't long. Think Thanksgiving is mid because <laughs> I hope I'm using the terminology correctly. But it's because you know you've just finished like a bunch of stuff, but then you have right. afterwards, so you're not done. There's no right. closure with yeah. winter break. You have closure. You're done with the semester. Right. I also call apps. Thank you, Rishi. That was <laughs> very much. That, that was a very important reminder. <laughs> but yes, um, we Should ended probably- off. We ended off the season as juniors, and now we're seniors, so it's a yeah. change. Just getting into that, um, I think the we wanted to start the whole new season on like a, a fresh page. Um, and so what we wanted to do to introduce this season is kind of talk about where we left off and what happened after we left off. I know we left off a, slightly abruptly, Pretty but, abruptly. It was it was yeah. yeah. That wasn't <laughs> planned by the way. Yeah, it was um it was more like we all had things to do and um passions like research things we were doing over the summer and pa- like projects we were pursuing. Um yeah. Um, so we, we can actually yeah. we can go around and share in the order that we'll share things in about what we did over the summer, just like a brief sentence. Okay. Um so just like a brief uh thing about mine um I found out like I did an engineering course like engineering courses um and I I think that's what I'm going to like pursue um because I found like you know engineering to be very very fun and kind of hands-on but that's what I did this summer and then I oh sorry go ahead sorry no no I forgot you go okay yeah so I did um an internship under Dr. Pavani who is actually on the podcast in season one I believe so that was fun and I learned a lot about cybersecurity and what that entails um, and I think it's going to be a future profession of mine hopefully. Well, Anushka's and her girl bossness. <laughs> My summer was all over the place in comparison to Anushka and Rishima. I I know at the beginning of the summer I was really confused. I just knew that I wanted to do something in computer science, not really sure what that was, but over the summer I got to learn a lot about specifically AI, machine learning, um, and also kind of how that ties into virtual reality, which I found an interest in, um, and kind of tying that back to, what's the word for it? Uh, general applications, practical applications in the real world. So that's what I'll be sharing about today. Um, nice. Yeah, that's, um, I, so I guess I'll start with my project. Um, so there's a boot camp over here that I attended and it was like assembly lines, um, which was interesting because I'd done like a little courses um, throughout my life where it was like, you know, boot camps for like, especially when I was elementary kid, um, you know, summer came, like we do summer camps for engineering or robotics. Uh, but assembly lines, I found like there were different type of um, platform because I like that's the first time I got like, like practical usage and like how you would apply this in a real life situation because um, and I also kind of like 
I never thought of assembly lines as like something that was engineering related because I was like, oh, like, you know, they're in the warehouse and they're like machines and, you know, you there's not a lot of point of engineers being there. Um, but like we did, um, actually like we had like an entire two week course for this one. Like we would, I would be there from seven to like four and we'd learn about like, um, how does an assembly line work and what's the role of an engineer in that process? Because assembly line, um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with that, but that's basically like when you have robots um, or like even people just doing like a certain part, part of like a bigger project. Like I think Henry Ford was the first one that introduced the concept um, and it reduces like, like, you know, prices and like it becomes cheap labor in a sense because everyone just has that one part you're doing and it's not like a lot of thought. So basically what happened when um, uh, this kind of like surge happened of technology was that we kind of switched out humans with technology. Um, and as Pisha mentioned, like AIs basically, right? Some of them are AI, some of them are just basically machines. Um, so we got to learn that, you know, we set up a dobot and um, like and set up a dobot and we basically made an assembly line. And it sounds like we had to put a car together, like a toy car, but each of each person in our group had like a specific thing that the dobot was supposed to do. Like we coded it and we made it like we made it smooth, we made the code efficient so it wasn't it didn't have a lot of problems. And, and you know, we had to like make sure that it would work. Like we had to do multiple test runs. And we collaborated a lot with like other teams and like we asked questions about how, you know, what worked for them and like how did they fix that or what speed they were using. Um, and I found out like engineering is a lot of fun. Like I used to think like engineering was like, you know, kind of like I thought about building. I don't know, like when I hear engineer, it's like, oh, you built stuff. Um, and that, yes, that like from my experience, like, yes, that's true. But you also like, um, especially when you have a lot of subjects, I feel like you can learn a lot from engineering because um, especially like when we finished our robot, we had to present it to a bunch of like uh, specialists or like uh, mentors that came and gave like valid feedback and like how you could make things work better um, in our robots and like how you could collaborate better. Um, and I learned that a lot of times like these engineers, they are they have degrees in multiple sectors of like um, science or even math. Like I know there was a chemical engineer, there was a safety, I didn't even know there was a thing called safety engineers. There were like people who were doing research at like at the laboratory. And I was like, oh, like if you have an engineering degree, it's not like you're stuck in a nine to five job. That's what I found out. Um, you could do like jobs in various positions and places. Um, and basically like the robot really like got me like excited about engineering because I was like, oh, like, cause I don't wanna also like, I'm a very social person. Like I like to talk to people, I like to talk to them about problems and, you know, like have their opinions in. So I like that aspect of engineering because you're not working by yourself. You're working in a team of people and you have like bi-weekly meetings where you discuss. Um, so that was really fun for me. And I kind of like, um, I really like connected with the mentors too, because I met this really, I met this civil engineer and he dropped out of high school. It was a really interesting story. He dropped out of high school and he said that he thought he'd become a farmer because that's what his parents did. They were farmers. Um, I think he was like Central Valley of California. Um, and he told this really like interesting story about how like his teacher was a civil like civil engineer and um, at his school and he like you know she was he was like basically like you know you could become you're really good at math and science you could become one and then with his help he kind of went to um, community college and he went to Cal Poly after with a scholarship uh, which is really cool and then now he like works in the Bay Area so I thought that was a really cool um, thing. But yeah, that's what I did. Like I just basically learned about assembly lines and um, what an engineer, engineer's life looks like. Nice. And do you know what like field of engineering you want to go into? Um, because I'm more like science than math, probably like right. bioengineering. Um, nice. Because yeah, there like there's a lot of math involved in engineering and like a lot of physics. Um, mm -hmm. But I also like the part of helping people and like I don't like talking about problems. Like you guys know this. Um, I don't like talking about medical problems. Um, but like I enjoyed like the point of like helping them succeed mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know like with you as a person having known you so long, you like your your brain is made to like construct solutions. You <laughs> you, can, you. I you don't think that. But... Yeah. Um. I don't know. But it's like I I also like don't know if I'm like logged in for bioengineering because there's so many types of engineering. I feel like mm -hmm. I would call that be exposed even more. But I do. But know, I feel like, like yeah. And the good thing with tech is there's so much scope for like branching out. Like you can go into business or you can yeah. start out as something, end up as something else. So yeah. Yeah. No, and then there's also like data science with like bio, like engineering. Right. Like you can like applications of the computer, which I think is pretty cool. Like it's a lot of, as I said before, it's a lot of different sectors 
of math and science coming together. Mm-hmm. There are so many interdisciplinary opportunities, which is also, also something that I've learned a lot about over the summer. So I think like that that's the best part about what we want to do. We're not yeah. limited to only one thing. Right. You can do a lot of different things with a CS degree or an engineering degree or anything in kind of the STEM area. And also, I wanted to ask you one question, Mishima. Um, so how would, I mean, I have to think how to word this. I know personally, like the past few months, I've really been building upon my definition of engineering. It's really just, at first I was like, you know what you said, uh, there is a very typical definition of what you think an engineer yeah. is. For me personally, I've been learning that it's really just it's it's like you're you're building stuff, you're constructing stuff, and you're making solutions to problems. Like with software engineers, although it's not technically tangible, it's you're Something. you're creating it, you're building it. So, how have you felt the definition of that word growing? Um, I feel like um as um I I and I found a lot of things about like software engineering and also like engineering as in general because I did not think there would be computers involved I don't know like I feel like that was very naive of me like I was like oh I don't think there'd be anything like computer science I, I don't know like I was like there won't be any computers on something related but then we like coded stuff we like um changed like the robots like um like we even did engineering like in the sense where we like we went into the hard drive of like the thing and we like like changed the wiring um to make it work faster more efficiently and then we had like programs running and like we had to fix it and like make the time so like I feel like as you know as you, as you progress engineering will be like shown throughout like different even like I think engineering like there's education engineering maybe like not in the same sense but you are like building a system and structure so I feel like engineers like a very generalized thing is like solutions I don't know like I think engineers come up with solutions and I think that's what engineering is like it might not be called engineering but if you're coming up with solutions um and like um solving them directly and being involved like hands-on um, or even like talking about it then I, I would call you an engineer like even like in social like life I don't know like it's just very like after doing that course and um, learning about so many people who did engineering um, I feel like it can be applied in various situations in life so. and I think that definition continues to evolve just like any other word mm-hmm. as time goes on especially with technology and things like rapidly modernizing and advancing um, those definitions are going to change yeah, no, I I think I can definitely say like at most all three of us here are engineers in some way or the other. Like um Prisha will work with computers, she is a computer engineer. Like I would apply these terms, maybe not like so specifically, maybe like you might be modified, but I feel like we're all like engineering our own ideas in some way. Right. We're engineering our destiny. <laughs> Whoa, that would be a catchphrase. I'm not wow. like, can that be yeah. the Team Techies mission statement? Yeah, like we should the, do that. The motto? Yes. <laughs> engineering engineering our own destinies. Uh, but yeah, that was my summer. I just learned a lot about engineering. But yeah. also, I learned about how much physics I need to do because I was like, hey, I like engineering school. Then I was like, oh. <laughs> and then my dad, I'm going to share this and I'm going to regret it. But my dad was like, are you sure you want to do engineering? Because I was like, yeah like and it was like you do realize that's like a lot of math and physics and just a lot of science like you know now because I was more like you know biology kind of like chemistry based and he's like you know there's gonna be a lot of physics and I'm like okay I'll do it if I like the subject and I'll like obviously work hard for it but it was really funny but I was like he asked me three times this summer he was like are you sure I'm like yes dad I want to <laughs> yeah yeah. So, yeah physics is really interesting when you can understand what's going on That's yeah yes but yeah, yeah it's like really problem like, solving yeah right. no, I, and I also feel like it's interesting when you can like see it and happen in real life like you know like you can apply it like realistically like oh right. something's happening and you're like oh physics could help with that yeah. right I think it makes a difference like physics in school versus physics and a like degree or a major that you're passionate about because then you can see how it actually applies to your major physically yeah yeah, yeah. but that was very interesting Rashima thank you for sharing Yes, and with that, we can head into my spiel. So basically, um, so I, like I said, I did an internship under Dr. Pavani, and she really works with cybersecurity and specifically with data science and machine learning and kind of those applications within the realm of cybersecurity. So kind of the first thing that she really taught us, and all of this information is credited to her because 
I did not know it before listening to the lectures and talking to her and all of that. But um, basically, first thing that she taught us that's important, I think, to know about cybersecurity is that it's called CIA. So it's not like the Central Intelligence Association or whatever it is, but CIA stands for confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And in, within cybersecurity, those three things are really important to preserve. So confidentiality, it's just preventing unauthorized disclosure, making sure that everything is confidential information-wise. Then we have integrity, which is preventing from unauthorized modification. So making sure that nobody like hackers or people with bad intentions are purposefully modifying any of that information. And then last is availability. So making sure that the system is actually available and preventing denial of service and all those things. And one big thing that actually goes into, you know, preserving CIA is uh, access control. So access control is really used in whatever realm that you go into. So let's say you have to access a building. You would have to open the door and you might have to show a badge and then you would be allowed inside the building. So that's a form of access control. Another form of access control is like, obviously when you sign in and you add your usernames and your passwords and all of that, that's another form because you're signing in, it's making sure that you're credible and then you're getting into the system. So a lot of times what people are using now for access control is different than what they used to use, but generally we're using RBAC and ABAC. So RBAC stands for role-based access control and ABAC stands for access-based access control and I'm, or attribute-based access control, sorry. So we're gonna focus on that form today, attribute-based access control. And basically what it does is it takes in a bunch of different attributes. So um, I'm gonna use actually what I did as a project with a team for my example. So essentially what we did is we made a kind of system um, related to college admissions. Cause that's something that I think all of us were kind of junior, seniors we were facing at the time. So we basically created a system where you can enter your SAT scores, GPA, um, a number of extracurriculars, AP scores, all of those things that colleges take in. And based on that, it will give you access into the portal or it won't give you access. So let's say the college wants you to have a 1550 SAT and 11 AP classes taken in order to apply they can put that into the system. And if the qualified can or if the candidate is qualified, they will be allowed into the system and will actually be able to apply. And that was actually more of just, we were thinking in terms of like admissions officers have to spend a lot of time looking at college applications. And by doing this and making it like kind of a filtering out system, they can make their whole process a lot more efficient and they can turn it, like they can make, basically modernize it because it's on technology now, they can, do things a lot faster, like we said, as the world is advancing and growing and relying on technology more. And basically what we had was an XACML um, interpretation. So we did everything in Java, but it was a simulation of XACML. So XACML is basically a markup language that's used for access control. So we covered a lot of topics in this cybersecurity thing because it was very just like these are different topics in cybersecurity. These are important things to know, but two main ones that I wanted to touch on were fake news detection and quantum computing, just because I was most interested in those. And I feel like those are most important in terms of what we're facing now as people, society, country. So fake news, I know we've seen a lot of um, presidential elections, even just like governors, people in general, fake news is a big thing in our modern society today. And what we need to understand with that is false information can have malicious intent. If somebody says there is a COVID outbreak in Dallas, Texas, then who knows if that's their actual intent or if they're trying to cause fear, panic, you know, malicious intent, which obviously there's not. This is just a fake hypothetical example. Um, so that kind of raises the question, can we automatically detect fake news? Because if we could, that would make things a lot faster in terms of just like being able to recognize things and making sure, like I said, that we don't have these like outbreaks of fear and panic whenever we get fake news. So the answer to that is actually machine learning. So you can create machine learning algorithms to automatically detect fake news and use those, like I said, to positively benefit society. Another question that this whole 
fake news thing actually um, relates to is do we actually need chief security officers <clears throat> in our companies? Because, you know, we have chief executive officers and chief officers of operation and all of these things. But now what companies have started doing is getting chief security officers and their job is to oversee the security of that company. And that's obviously with the growing reliance on um, technology to do everything. Security is an important part, but especially with fake news, it's really raising that question because, like I said, that is something that can really create a lot of fear and panic in people. And kind of the conclusion that we came to in terms of fake news detection is that we need to use machine learning along with natural language language processing to be able to handle fake news. So natural language processing would be taking in words and certain things, kind of how Google Translate works in a way, but taking in those words and applying machine learning for that to detect fake news, see if it's fake or not. And obviously we need to work a lot on that to make sure that it's accurate. We don't have false positives and false negatives because that could be bad. So that was kind of fake news as a whole. And I guess if you guys want, we can discuss that before going into quantum computing. So if you have any comments or anything um, otherwise. No, I would definitely say that like, that would be an interesting change if you could detect fake news. Yeah. Um, it would definitely like lessen people's anxiety and like, you know, these problems that like mental health problems too, like people have um, right. regarding fake news. Cause you know, someone might read something about like COVID outbreak in India or like somewhere else in the world. And they would immediately get worried about their family because you know, they don't mm -hmm. know if it's true. And even when it's like dispelled as like a fake news, your mind doesn't stop thinking about like, no, it could be true. If someone out there is saying something about right. it, even like mm -hmm. in a fake, they wouldn't know if it's like fake or true. Like I understand where you're trying to get across with that, but I think mm -hmm. it would be like a positive change rather than a mm -hmm. negative. Right, right. And like just everything you said about the whole fake news detection, um, that's... That's something that we see even, I mean, now, especially I know on Instagram, actually just today, I stumbled upon, I cannot remember what it was, but it had a, you know, this, um, this post may contain uh, fake news, fake information. Right. And just the, the speed at which pe we can put information out onto, out onto the internet and which other people can receive it, that mm -hmm. keeps exponentially growing. Yeah. Um, because the internet is something that, a lot of people have access to mm -hmm. and anyone can contribute to what's on there so i think the whole I, I i don't know the whole idea of um being able to detect that seems pretty like really helpful yeah yeah and I, like companies are already doing it instagram facebook they're all working on trying to detect these things because it really does affect like rashima said not only like the person but society as a whole and especially like mentally that can really take a toll um on your mental health and um i had like a question about the things like the project you guys did at the cybersecurity thing um just like as um do you guys ever think you know like we obviously like when we do our, like cloud admissions we also talk about the fact that you know scores aren't everything you right guys, like so your point was to like filter out like the non right uh, right the scores right okay yeah so this would be like in an ideal world where they just based it on SAT scores and GPAs, which like we said, that can be harmful because it's not looking at a holistic student. But a lot of times these colleges do have certain things where they're like, no matter how great the students extracurriculars are, if they don't have this certain SAT score, this many APs, we're just not going to accept that. So I think that would one help the colleges to create more efficiency but also just make it more transparent for the student because if they put in their scores and they get rejected there then they're not working on all these essays and all these bigger things that take more time they can see then and there that they won't get into that college and really have more clear expectations and have just some transparency between the applicants and then the people who are accepting them and i think that would be a really big thing obviously i don't think they would actually do it. this was more for us yeah. just to like I was just around wondering see. if you guys like, right. thought about that. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So then heading into quantum computing. So this is actually really interesting to me because I always thought quantum computing was like this amazing thing that's going to like revolutionize our futures and it will, but maybe in not the way that we think. So just as an overview of quantum computing first, quantum computing basically combines physics and computer science into one. So it, instead of having bits of zero and one, it has three different bits. So it has zero, one, or something called a qubit. 
And that qubit and how it takes in things is basically based on waves of light rather than mass and how we normally do like bit calculation and all of that. And I don't know exactly how it works. So we're not gonna get into the specifics of how it works because then I will sound really dumb. But um, here are kind of the drawbacks that I noticed with using quantum computing. So if hackers, like we're gonna get quantum computing and maybe we'll be able to make security amazing. But if hackers also get their hands on quantum computing, normal encryption techniques are not gonna work. Like when we encrypt information, they're gonna be able to crack that really quickly. So just as like a statistic, there are the quantum computers that are they're expecting to be used in the future are 158 million times faster than our most efficient supercomputer that we use today. And they can do something in four minutes, like they could crack an encryption code in four minutes, whereas right now it would take 10 million years for a traditional supercomputer to accomplish that task. So that kind of just like provides perspective into how like important security is going to be in the future because if these people also get their hands on super supercomputers or sorry quantum computers they're going to be able to just break codes really really fast and so we as like people going into the tech in industry really need to consider that um and really need to encourage i think people to go into cybersecurity because we need people who are equipped with things to handle all these attacks and malware and everything that's gonna happen in the future if this is how fast our technology is kind of advancing. So that was kind of what I had for my spiel on quantum computing. But overall, I really enjoyed like this whole internship experience that I got under Dr. Pavani. And I know I learned a lot, not only about these two topics, but also just general topics in cybersecurity that are really important. Because like I said, um, as we use technology more and more, we're relying on it more and everything is kind of going on there and it makes us really vulnerable. So like I said, it's important for people to have those skills to be able to prevent against attacks and like I said, preserve CIA. So yeah. That was a lot of big words. Yeah, It was a lot of big words. <laughs> you know, but first off, like I'm just going to say I'm really proud of everything you've done. I know I'm proud of you. Thank you. No, but at the very beginning of summer, I know you were like really excited for this and to like, you came out of it knowing a lot more than like just two months ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, um, quantum computing is interesting because I know like just, a, I think a, it was maybe six or seven months ago, we were talking about it and like thinking, oh, I don't know. I can't understand it. Right. but that this just like really simplified the idea mm -hmm. um and it seems a lot more accessible than i previously um perceived right and it's definitely super complicated like i can't begin to explain how it works um my physics is not that great but the the professionals know how it works so that's what matters yeah rashima do you have any um, I was just, I was like kind of like absorbing information because like it's a lot of, um, you know, I obviously heard about some of these um, terms and phrases during my yeah. time with engineering. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we obviously talk about quantum computing, like what and what it would look like in the engineering background. Mm -hmm. um, right. Because it would definitely make things a lot more easier. And I do, like, I also like read up on it by myself too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got, I learned a lot from like your thing. And I'm like, um, yeah. It just, I feel like, like, I, put together all the information we can make like a new kind of like um, new major I feel like you know just like a new way of thinking but yeah you know. yeah yes of course <laughs> and now we can head into Prisha's spiel, spiel. <laughs> all right so in now into my spiel um a little bit about what I did over the summer like I said all over the place um I went into the summer pretty confused about what to do with my life um and I won't say that I walked out with a completely clear um insight but I it cleared up a little bit and that's enough for me so over the summer I got the opportunity to learn a lot about artificial intelligence and machine learning and I found a practical application of that which I found really interesting so specifically in virtual reality so I'm guessing both of you know about me, something you know about me. If you give me an eth an ethics question, I will like I will feel very deeply about it. We can talk about it for like hours and hours. 
So this is something that I found. Anushka, you touched on this briefly with the NLPs. But with NLPs and what I specifically want to talk about is um, it's called a CFG, a context-free grammar. So what a context-free grammar is, it's um, basically the structure we can use. It's the grammar structure form um, to generate all possible patterns of, if you're speaking in computer science terms, a string, um, given a formal language. So we have the basic grammar rules which we use. Um, for example, you can start off with a pronoun, noun, um, action verb, or whatever it's called, linking verbs. I don't know my different verbs. Um, and you can put an adjective in there, um, a subject, whatever, a direct object, all these different things. And there are so many different ways we can form sentences, as I'm doing right now, and as we all did throughout the podcast. Um, and then going even past that, you have sentences which can um, be... Uh, they can be given in the form of a statement, a question, an exclamation. You can have cut sentences, and I could go on and on. Sentences are huge, really weird, but they have a structure. So what context-free grammar does is it takes a structure and it kind of breaks it down even further. So what you're saying doesn't have to make sense, but rather it should follow the rules. So, for example, I can say the purple giraffe climbed up the waterfall. You probably never seen a purple giraffe climb up a waterfall. You've probably never seen a purple giraffe altogether. But yet, if I say the purple giraffe climbed up the waterfall, maybe in your head you can create a picture of this giraffe with different shades of purple hiking up this waterfall, getting to the top. That's something we can imagine because everything that I've said within that sentence made sense. I didn't say anything that to the human brain cannot make sense. And that's um, sort of an innate quality that we have. Now, relating that to machines, the machines aren't given, um, they're like, you know, we're, we're born and we have a certain set of things which make sense to us. And the way that this grammar is processed is one of them. Um, the machines don't have that or for all we know they don't they're created with no knowledge and then you know you train them and they use machine learning to grow and um, completely fix their knowledge into something that's more concrete but what happens is we can give them this context-free grammar and then they can as Anushka said undergo the NLP natural language processing um, which is essentially the ability of a computer to understand the text that's given to them which allows for extended opportunity between the in individual and a machine. So with context-free grammar, it's also a finite state. So there are only so many different things that you can make of it while the, while the possibilities do seem endless. It's, um, it's a fixed set of things, fixed set of sentences that you can create. So a project that I completed with a group over this is may sound stupid it was a twitter bot but um we essentially created the language for the bot in the form of a pirate so if a pirate were to speak how would the pirate form his her or their sentences um would they is it more likely to be a statement how would they start it how would they end it something that we took a look at is in general, when we think of pirates, they may not have the most proper grammar or way of talking. So that's something that we used as influence when creating the language processing for our machine. Essentially, some results that came up were, where be me gold doubloons? Ye best believe them landlubbers found me ship while me be working. And a bunch of different other things. A really crazy one that came up was, Ye best believe if them landlubbers be plundering, then me crew might be walking the plank and them landlubbers be talking and them landlubbers be plundering. That may have been difficult to process, but it's the correct sentence. It, you may not be able to understand it, but if you give it to a machine, the machine will break it down and understand it completely. So 
the way you can also think of this is in terms of recursion for anyone who's taken a computer science course. Um, uh, the re a recursive property is essentially if you give the machine a subject and within the different actions for that subject, you're repeating the same action which you just did to the point where it breaks or um, some recur the base case is reached and then the sentence will end and it'll go back up the whatever you've already created to um, finish the sentence. So while you know the language for a pirate may not have many uses unless you're looking for a very specific instance where you need to create different sentences for a pirate, um, some, this is kind of where the ethics thing comes in. Um, and a conversation that I've had a lot with people over the past couple of weeks Virtual reality is something that we as humans have created um, in an effort to allow what we previously deemed as impossible to happen. So I think we've discussed this before, but um, it makes communication easier. I can't remember if it was season two or season three, but we talked about ships and their actions and how like the, the different actions that need to be taken to maintain a ship and how those can be done all over the world. And especially that's helped through COVID. Do you guys remember what season that, what season that was? Because I did not. Season two or three. Yeah, I have no idea. <clears throat> I don't remember the exact episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was two because I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But essentially for a refresher, if you haven't listened to that episode, um, uh, some group created a, virtual reality uh, a virtual reality set such that they can sit in America and contact their um uh their peers uh, or their um colleagues in a different country let's say i think this it was specifically japan where they could um work together it's as if they're working in the same ship and they're working in the same room and that just allows for more effective communication across the world so that's one practical application of virtual, virtual reality. A second application is um, where the ethics comes in. Um, if you were to talk to someone who perhaps you physically cannot talk to right now, or maybe you never got the chance to talk to, a historical figure, maybe someone you've never met, or someone who you may have met before, you wish you could talk to them again, you can create a natural language processing machine for them. And that's something that I didn't know this, but it's been tried out a couple of times. So what I wanted to hear your guys' opinion on is essentially what do you what would you think of that? Replicating an existing individual with a machine and giving them the language based on what they've said in real life. A specific instance we found of this is that um, someone took texts from their friend um, and created a natural language processing machine for them. So in terms of ethics, how would you categorize that instance? Wait, so let me clear this, okay? So I have a couple of questions. So yeah. when you do the, like, are you saying the machine will like take the language and then kind of like process it and like gain the kind of like same thing as your friend, right? Or right. like the right. same kind of like from what the like the words have said or like like whatever language it's in they kind of like take that and kind of like okay so this person says blah blah, blah things so i think they also like say this thing or you're, so basically you're not encoding the like the machine yeah. to be the a machine way. uses it uses machine learning and it was there are different types of machine learning so um i think th this one was unsupervised machine learning where you just give it an input and it just it you it doesn't know for sure what's right or what's wrong because obviously there's no way to check would this person have really said this sentence but based on the input it's given it can categorize for itself i think the person would have said this based on the structure that this person used in this sentence it's used 80 percent of the time otherwise i think this person would say this so that's a it's a deep ethics question but i mean yeah go ahead no, I was like, there's so many aspects of this, like perspectives, because I think there's like a, I don't, I can't speak for myself right now. Like I need to think about this a bit because obviously you want to like, you know, meet 
people who exist, but I haven't gotten a chance to meet, obviously, and of course. Um, but I wouldn't want it to be like virtual because like, you know, somewhere in my brain, I like I like it's not even like a part of like I know like it's it's like made like it's a machine. Like I know like it's not even the real like life thing. And I think there's a fine line of like a real person and a machine, even though it's AI or machine learning and we're trying to make it as closely human as possible. I think there's a fine line where it's like, oh, like you can't just be like, this is what the person would say, you know, like this, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, it's kind of like, it wouldn't be right in a sense. But I think like, there's so many perspectives and so many takes on this. Yeah. I mean, one application that I can think of, I know that they used, so during obviously the India-Pakistan partition, a lot of people had to move from Pakistan to India or India to Pakistan. And they, a lot of them, they were really young, so they didn't get to see their villages or like where they were from for a long time so I think in India that some person got together with a couple of friends and created a system where they can put on like the VR headset and then look at their villages that they were born in and kind of reconnect with their like roots and their culture in that way so I do think that it would be beneficial for those people because a lot of people actually lost you know friends siblings parents family members during that like mass migration I think it was probably the largest migration um, in world history and I think that's an important application because if those people could put on a headset and talk to their loved ones and people who they didn't really get closure with after you know their passing I think that's something that could be really beneficial um, for them yeah but with that, I think I can, like, you know, it's obviously, like, um, a very, very important thing, I feel like, you know, and you could also, like, help in other studies as well, like, grief and uh, grief support and emotional, like, health um, way, too, but another question, and I feel like I'm just, like, kind of, like, I'm trying to argue for, like, different things, because I, I'm, like, weird like that, but um, another question would just be, like, if you were to talk to virtual reality figures or, like, you know, um, people you didn't really get a chance to meet, or you met like when you're really young and you don't have a lot of concrete memories of of them. Do you think like like obviously like the AI machine could replace those memories because you'll spend more time with the AI machine, right? If, like if you were to think in that sense, so like if you eventually start remembering things a bit different, like you know the memory does work that way. Um, you know, like you start changing it a little bit according to what you like, and I feel like you can do that with the machine as well. Like because it's a machine, you know, it's not really like a human, so you can't. Like, yeah. like a- I mean it's definitely biased because like whoever's putting in that data is putting in whatever they remember of the person right. so it's that de- there's definitely bias in that way and I mean we talked about this in the cybersecurity thing too with fairness and machine learning and trustworthy machine learning and that's actually a big topic that's being explored too because machine learning can be very biased um, and I know we've talked about that a bunch of times on this podcast Right. And I, I don't know, Anushka, you also did some stuff with machine learning. So you probably also figured out or learned about this. But essentially with machine learning, the I'll just give an overview of the three basic ones. So you have the supervised machine learning. That's where you give it you give it an input and, and it'll have some test cases and you say this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong. So in that case, you have the human brain helping the machine and telling you this is right, this is wrong. In unsupervised learning, you don't have that um, second form of authentication. So it's just, I know that this is right. I know that this is wrong. Give me a random instance and I'll just use my, what I know to categorize it. Right. And then reinforcement is just, it's kind of like the fall seven times get up gate thing where you are just learning from your, you're learning from a mistake, which you know very obviously is a mistake. And that's how you change and you understand how to categorize things so with unsupervised learning the biggest thing in this is or the the biggest conversation I had is is it fair to keep the memory of a person when or how to have the a memory of a person knowing that they did not they might have not actually said that or they might have not actually acted like that so that's a maybe that's like a closing point yeah yeah to add but that's a pretty big thing that I thought yeah I mean it's definitely situational like it really depends on who's passing in the data and what intent are they using it for is it a positive one or a negative one like if you're clearly clearly ah, I cannot talk with the pirate I know it's obviously not a real pirate talking 
but when it becomes more close to the heart then at that point like may- maybe you can't even differentiate just because it's so close to you um, and is it violating that person's privacy yeah, like that person didn't too. consent to it they that's a have passed too. right they- so, so not yeah but yeah i'm gonna like that's a really like i'm like kind of like thinking it trying to like decipher because I obviously would, you know, like, in my case, like, I would, there's so many people that I would, like, just be, like, oh, yeah, like, I don't really want to talk to them, um, but, like, again, like, same thing with Anushka, like, I don't know if they'll, like, consent, and even, like, if my memories might be I could really be a different. robot, and you would never know. No, I could, also, I could actually like, be a robot. Yeah. <laughs> no, but also, just, I think that, um, like, suppose, you know, we have, like, a mutual family member, right, like, me and my dad both knew, but I guess, my dad knew the person from a very young age, like, you know, grandpa or grandpa-like figure. And I knew them, like, basically, like, um, very late in their life. So our perspective would be very different. And I don't know, like, what he would think about the, the data that I send into this AI machine, because it'll be very different from his perspective, you know? And the, the, I feel like that also comes to play in these situations and, like, what other people think about it. Because sometimes, like, these AI machines aren't just for you. Like, like these like machine learning stuff like it'll be because you'll have a headset and stuff right so you'll obviously want your peers to see or your parents to experience as well so it's just like you have to like play a little bit with all sides I don't know like how would we fix that but and I think also, it's a, yeah sorry, yeah go ahead. you continue Anishka I feel like you mine's a no, little go bit ahead, go ahead, go ahead. no <laughs> okay right. so basically I think it's important for like if you're doing this to make sure that your data is varied from different sources because I mean people this is scientifically uh, proven like people aren't the same to every single person that they meet they have different sides to them and you know humans are complex figures we're not just like the same robot to every single person that we talk to so it's like that's something that's important to like consider when you're doing this because if you do get it from only one person that the things that that you know vr figure says is going to be very different compared to the next person so you have to i think it's important if you're going to do it to vary your data so you get more wholesome view of whoever that person is yeah and also um sorry also like with the ai and machine learning things i feel like i like not just like existing figures but i feel like we could also make up like percy jackson or like some some somewhere along the i'm like thinking like because i'm like a reader and I love stories. I feel like we could do that. But like then again, it was like, it's is it even like them or is it the author? You know, like I feel like that'd be the question. Like you should make them? a museum. Like a museum. <laughs> and like you can like be who yeah, yeah. could look at the directory and put yeah. on the No, I know when I was doing this project, Rashima was in my mind a lot because I like when we were talking about it, I just knew she really wants to meet Jensen Ackles. Or yeah. she would really want to meet Harry Potter. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking about when you said the question. I was like, oh, like that, because like I thought in a positive way, like, you know, you obviously was like, it was, it's important to discuss all perspective. And I think there's like both the negative and positive. But like, I was like, oh my God, that'd be so cool. Like, if I were able to talk to like um, my idols. But then again, I wouldn't be like the actual, like, authentic experience of like how really human beings. Uh, it would be like a really cool, like, side, like, museum thing that I could go to and be like, oh, like, yeah. So, yeah, this, like, I guess. To wrap up, this really ties back into our season one theme. Is technology really beneficial or I think it's just a podcast theme of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like it's just like everywhere because I it's, it's such a big and especially like the time we're alive, like it's just everywhere. Um, like you can't really escape it. Like even if you're like off social media, it's like no, like you're gonna hear it on the news or something. It's gonna be like, it's gonna be up to our generation to solve that because like 20 30 40 years down the line these things are going to become really important mm-hmm. up to us to solve it yeah, yeah. i love how R- rishima and anushka they had like technology so good that i'm like is it really <laughs> i mean, no, I mean I, even I, with I, quantum computing it's i like i said it's no, not it's not perfect that's true yeah. it's great no, like, but like is it great no, for hackers aspect could it be like a lot like um correct or like perfect in the way like oh like if humans do then they can correct it even after like it's if it's like um uh if it's like uh you know if it's a bit off or something you know when you're um 
when you are fixing it by yourself and it's like a completely different process than like if a robot does it because a robot just does it and then moves on you know like they don't have that uh, machine learning or the capabilities yet of um determining like oh this is right no this is wrong kind of deal but yeah yeah so that was a really interesting discussion so thank you for your <laughs> i think this was a good way to start off the podcast right get back into right. it yes and we will definitely do more spotlight sundays <laughs> this time actually <laughs> because we all know what happened last season and the season before. Yeah, yeah no it's just like we're supposed to school year and we were like kind of in the midst of wrapping up junior yes year. but now um, we are we are seniors and senior and is kicking in and you know what guys this time we're senior podcast hosters we're on our fourth season and we're seniors in high school so this season is gonna be our season Watch it's going to be our now. girl boss era. No, it will be our season. It's going to be our podcast girl boss era. I'm just oh, going to meet a very anxious person of, like, of me. It's going to be like, oh my God, we're going to college. And I feel like I want to repeat that every time we record. It's going to be really good. But that's just I'm just going to say in advance, like just in case season four doesn't end up being our season, season five, because, you know, season five, it'll be second semester senior year. Right. You won't do anything second semester. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to make we're going to make an episode introducing our college major <laughs> yeah exactly or like oh oh yeah we should do that i feel like that'd be really cool because by then you'll have to put in your major or like yeah or even after like summer i feel like we just didn't shouldn't film during summers and then just, we like, need um, to have a teen techies retreat yeah, we need to crazy. actually meet anushka and rashima still have never met before no in person we, we meet we meet every week because we yeah. are dedicated like, podcast like, hosts. Like, all, like all of my life at this point like i just yeah uh but yeah i think that yeah. kind of wraps up our first episode <laughs> so thank you guys so much for tuning in today's episode and i hope you're excited for season four because i know that we are um and also follow us on our instagram um teen techies teen dot techies um and send us questions and whatever in court like um any like topics you want us to talk about well it only took her four seasons <laughs> <laughs> yeah but thank you guys again and with that teen techies signing off